0: Hi, I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Today we're gonna be talking about probiotics. I talked a little bit about them last week when I uh, discussed gut health because they are an important role of gut health. And when it comes to probiotics, there's also just a lot to know about them themselves that I didn't want to touch on everything in the last episode because it would have just been a super long episode. So I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to talking about them specifically. So I'm going to start by talking about like what probiotics are. And then I'm going to get into things to look out for when selecting a probiotic. And lastly, I will talk about good food sources of probiotics. So what are probiotics anyway? I'm going to start with a quote by Julia Enders. She wrote a book called Gut. I mentioned it in the previous episode, um, and so it's a good book if you're wanting to read more about the gut and get all like the step-by-step process of the digestive system. It's pretty cool. So she opens up the chapter about probiotics with this. We swallow many billions of living bacteria every day. They are on raw food. A few survive on cooked food. We nibble on our fingers without even thinking about it. We swallow our own mouth bacteria or kiss our way through the bacterial landscapes of others. A small proportion even survived the acid bath of the stomach and the aggressive digestive process to reach our large intestine alive. So I really like that um, depiction of all the things in a day that we could be getting bacteria from it's kind of cool to put it into perspective i guess and so all of these bacteria that she's referring to as far as what's like on our food and our fingers and when we kiss other people and the bacteria in our own mouths we won't know anything about only a very small fraction of these bacteria have been looked at by scientists and only a very small fraction have been approved as being helpful. And it's the this small fraction that we call probiotics, at least the probiotics that are bottled up in capsules and sold as a supplement, um, because they're the ones that have been studied and are deemed as, as safe to do so. But there are just so many more millions of strains of bacteria that are good for us that we just don't know anything about. And and gut health is, is too new, of an area of study. Um, So as time goes on, we'll start discovering more actual strains that are beneficial and they'll probably change the supplements as they discover more, but right now there's only a tiny fraction. Humans have actually been eating bacteria since the, the dawn of time, whether they were aware of it or not. And if they hadn't been eating bacteria, then none of us would be here today. Bacteria is a huge, factor in our health and survival. Probiotics are great for all of us to take daily, um, both in a supplement form and through natural forms like food. Uh, And if you're someone who gets sick a lot, it's especially important for you to make sure you're getting a daily probiotic. Even if you just seem to get a cold all the time, it'd be important to take a probiotic. And for everybody, not just people who get sick a lot, it's important to rotate out your probiotics, the supplements anyway, the food, you can eat the same foods, it's fine. But as far as supplements go, um, it would be super beneficial to find two really good quality probiotics that have different strains in them. And you can take one for a month or two and then switch to the other one for a month or two. And you kind of cycle on and off. Also so that your body doesn't kind of like have too many of one strain. Because if you remember in the previous episode, I talked a lot about how uh, diversity matters, The, the bacteria diversity matters. So if you're taking the same one all the time, you're not gonna get that diversity in your gut. So by switching off between two, it just helps to reinforce the diversity of bacterial strains. Probiotics are even a good idea for parents to give their children, especially children with higher chances of maybe developing allergies, a child who was maybe born C-section or maybe they weren't breastfed. It would even be great, um, even if your child is adopted and and you're not sure if they were breastfed or they were adopted as an infant and they weren't breastfed by their mother, um, it would be great to... Give them a probiotic and it would really help with their um, immune health foundation and their microbiome and even for kids um, probiotic supplements are helpful and then foods and i'll be touching on foods later but animal exposure is also super helpful um, for kids even adults animals carry good bacteria on their bodies and when we pet them and stuff Um, We get those bacteria on ourselves and if we eat something we're going to then ingest that good bacteria Um, And some people may be concerned. Well, what about all the bad bacteria that animals carry? And that's why we have our stomach acid as um, Was in the quote in the beginning because our stomach acid is there to one help break down food so that we can digest it but also kill any Pathogens that might enter the digestive tract so that we don't get sick and some pathogens you know are really strong and outlive that, such as like a virus, like the flu. But for the most part, uh, our body will kill off bad bacteria that comes in. Especially if you're doing all the right things for the good bacteria to flourish, then the bad bacteria won't really have an opportunity to even take growth. Um, So that, don't worry about bad bacteria as far as animals go, as long as you're not like eating their poop. Um, and so kids being around, around animals or having a dog um, is really good for their immune health and gut health foundation. And adults as well, having a dog and them being on your furniture and you petting them all the time, that just strengthens the diversity of bacteria you have in your gut, which ultimately strengthens your immune system so another reason to take a probiotic or eat probiotic rich foods is the good bacteria in your gut produces 90 percent of the body's supply of vitamin b12 so without enough good bacteria your gut can't produce enough b12 for your body to function properly so the gut produces B12 at the end of the digestive process in the small intestine. So it's important to have plenty of good microbes to produce enough B12 for your body to use. It's it's difficult to rely on like a blood test that's measuring your B12 to give you an accurate representation if you have enough because a um, blood test is only measuring the amount of B12 in your bloodstream. It doesn't measure if the B12 is actually entering the central nervous system, and that's where it's supposed to go. Um, and so, without knowing for sure if it's getting into the central nervous system, we can't really say if we have if we have enough vitamin B12. So. No matter what your lab work may say about your b12 levels it's always safe to take a b12 supplement just in case it won't harm anything Um, and you just don't want to get into a place where you have b12 deficiency because it does have severe health consequences Um, and for b12 supplements i personally would recommend a vegan b12 um, just because it'll contain very minimal Um, toxins in it versus a animal product b12 supplement I have one on my website if you aren't sure of one to get but if you have one that you already like just continue taking that Um, and that supplement on my website as well as like all the other supplements I don't get like commission if you guys buy it via the link I put up there. So I don't care where you buy it from or you know, even if you get that brand, it's just that's a place to start if you really don't know um, which one to get because there are so many supplements out there. And with any supplement, quality does matter, especially if you want it to um, have positive benefits on your body. And so those are just ones that um, I know are really good quality and I have read up about and that I really stand behind. Um, but it doesn't make a difference to me which one you get. So I've talked a lot about what probiotics are, and um, mostly the probiotics that we get from our foods and like maybe other things throughout the day. Uh, there's, there's not really a specific name for those probiotics, just probiotics. Um, so there's probiotics, and there's spore-based probiotics. And spore-based probiotics are the strands of probiotics found in the soil. And these typically have a longer lifespan in the gut. And because they have a longer lifespan, uh, they're the hardest to replace after you've taken a round of antibiotics. So antibiotics kill off these ones as well. And that would be like having this really old, beautiful tree in your yard and, it gets burned down or something. It's like it's never going to grow back the same. It's going to take so long for it to get to be as big as it was when you replant a tree. So that's kind of what the spore-based probiotics are like. They're, they're the ones that have been in there a really long time. Um, and spore-based probiotics, uh, they don't need to be refrigerated no matter like what supplement you get versus some other probiotics Um, that aren't spore-based, they require refrigeration. So if you travel a lot and it's like hard for you to take a probiotic regularly, you could always just take a spore-based probiotic instead, or at least when you travel. Um, And you can even alternate between like a regular probiotic and a spore-based probiotic. Those would be two really good ones to cycle back and forth between. And if you ever have to take a round of antibiotics, once you finish the antibiotics, I would definitely recommend taking a spore-based probiotic as soon as possible uh, because those are going to be the ones that you will want to start getting back into your body ASAP. Um, But it's also important to remember that once you finish an antibiotic, it does stay in your system for a couple of weeks after you've finished it. So don't start taking the probiotics, spore-based or otherwise, until a couple of weeks after having finished it because if it's still in your system, it's going to kill them as soon as they enter your body. Uh, so I would give it a couple of weeks from the time you've finished, but in that like meantime, you could just start eating foods that are really good for the gut to start the repairing process. So now I'm going to talk about things to look out for when choosing a probiotic and things that may say they contain probiotics that really don't. Um, so I'm going to start with fermented vegetables. So. Fermented vegetables used to be filled with good bacteria, but now the store-bought ones are preserved with vinegar, which kills all the microbes that the food once had. So it's very hard to find truly beneficial fermented vegetables or even like kombucha at the grocery store. You're better off making them at home because the vinegar will actually upset the digestive tract, Um, which I'm gonna talk a little bit about apple cider vinegar. because it's in foods and sometimes it can be used um, in fermented foods so and I mean I know sometimes people even drink apple cider vinegar in the morning to like start their day so apple cider vinegar is also it contains acetic acid and acetic acid adds to the acid already in the body that's created by the bad bacteria in the gut Uh, so it can worsen existing symptoms and conditions since it's just adding on to the acid of bad bacteria that the body has so an example is streptococcus bacteria which is like strep Um, and this is just one example there's so many other like bacteria like this but i think strep is the most common one that people will be like okay i can kind of under follow that Um, so streptococcus bacteria can cause urinary tract infections sinus infections gum infections, ear infections, bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, bladder infections, sore throat, prostate infections, strep throat, gallbladder infections, appendicitis, irritable bowel syndrome, bloating, styes, acne, skin cysts and boils, conjunctivitis and pink eye. Strep bacteria also contributes to acid reflux and tooth decay, so just try to avoid Uh, apple cider vinegar and just most vinegars because they all kind of contribute to um, feeding that bacteria. So as a result, um, avoid purchasing store-bought fermented vegetables. Um, And you can ferment your own at home without using any vinegar. And then you will get those beneficial probiotics. Apple cider vinegar does have a use though. It's great to use topically on like skin irritations and things. Um, But just don't ingest it and then something that I want to point out about fermented foods um, And this kind of goes for even if you make them at home um, That the probiotics in fermented foods, they're not life-giving probiotics Um, the bacteria they contain Actually thrive off of the decay process um, Which is why they're like not life-giving probiotics because fermented vegetables are essentially rotting vegetables, but it's like right before they're they're like unedible. So that's why the bacteria that is found in them thrives off of decay. And we know this because when an animal dies in nature, the bacteria that starts to engulf the dead animal are the same strains that are found in preserved fermented foods and they're even the same strains found in uh, yogurt plant-based and dairy-based yogurt the microorganisms or bacteria that are found on the surfaces of fruits and vegetables and high quality probiotic supplements they are strains that thrive on life and therefore they are the ones that are restoring your gut health and for some people, consuming um, store-bought fermented vegetables or yogurts will uh, cause no issues in their body and they'll simply just pass through their digestive tract and be expelled. And the body just has no symptoms, they don't affect it. And to that, I say lucky you for if you're one of those people. But if you're someone like me who's had gut issues and is very sensitive to things aggravating my gut, I need to avoid things like that because I do notice um, discomfort when I eat those things. So if you are experiencing uh, gut health issues I would cut those out and see if it makes a difference if you feel any better. When choosing a probiotic supplement it's very important to read the label. So the first thing you want to look for on the label are the words shelf-stable. This means that the strains in the supplement can withstand being in a capsule or a powder and the strands are still alive. If they're not shelf-stable, odds are all the bacteria in the capsule is dead and you're just taking nothing and I mean wasting your money because probiotics are not cheap. So to be buying a probiotic that um, isn't shelf-stable is kind of a waste so definitely make sure the one that you're taking is in fact shelf stable. Uh, The second thing you want to look for on the label is the CFU number. So CFU stands for colony forming units. So when you find a probiotic that's in fact shelf stable uh, you want to make sure that it contains 1 million to 10 billion CFUs. So what the CFUs mean is the number of alive and active microorganisms in one serving of a probiotic. So all probiotics are going to have the CFUs on them, but not all probiotics are going to say that they're shelf stable. So ones that aren't shelf stable may say they have 10 billion CFUs, but if they're not shelf stable, those 10 billion CFUs are probably dead. They were probably alive at the time of the manufacturing of the supplement, but now they're not anymore. So those two things are very important, CFUs and shelf-stable. I have three different probiotic supplements on my website. I have a spore-based probiotic. That one contains 4 billion CFUs. The other one has 10 billion CFUs. And I also have a liquid one, and I forget exactly how many CFUs that one contains, But between the liquid one and then the other capsule one, I would do the capsule one, but they're both good quality uh, probiotics. And the spore-based probiotic on my website is uh, expensive and that maybe would be something you only want to get if you have to take antibiotics and and really need it. But if you just wanted to take the probiotic with 10 billion CFUs that's not spore-based, it still is a good quality and will have a positive impact. So when trying out a new probiotic, uh, it's important to try it for about four weeks and see if your symptoms get worse or better. If the symptoms get worse, it may not be a good fit for you, and so you may want to try another one. Um, if you don't notice any difference, like you don't feel different, there's nothing worse but nothing better, then continue it. It means that it is a good fit and it may just take longer than four weeks to fill the positive impacts. So now let's talk about good sources of probiotics that aren't a supplement form. Fresh living foods, it's that simple. Uncooked fruits and vegetables do in fact contain probiotics on their surfaces. If you have access to an organic farm, a farmer's market, or even just your own garden at home, those sources are gonna be the best food sources because they have elevated le- levels of microbes on them. So the main thing about these sources is that ideally you wouldn't have to wash them before you eat them. Like just a maybe quick gentle rinse without soap. But only do that when you know the source and that there are no toxins on them that can make you sick. Um, if they're not organic produce, you know, you're definitely gonna to wanna to wash them cause there's gonna be like pesticide residue on them. And if they've been in the grocery store, you're gonna to wanna to give them a rinse. Um, but if you get them from the grocery store and they're organic, don't you don't need to use soap or anything, you just give them a good rinse. The water uh, will dilute any bacteria, bad bacteria on them enough to where it won't be harmful. Um, if you've ever picked a piece of kale from like your own garden or something, you can see that there's a film on the pockets of the leaf. And this film is made up of elevated microorganisms which are a naturally occurring probiotic. And these organisms have an amazing effect on our digestion and immune health. So even if like the only thing that you grow in your garden at home is kale, that will really help out your health. And because we now know that so many beneficial probiotics live on the surfaces of fruits and vegetables, it's just another reason why conventional options really aren't as great because when they are sprayed with pesticides, that's killing all the good probiotics on them as well as any bad stuff. So then you're losing that benefit of eating them. Out of all the food sources that have probiotics, the top source are sprouts, microgreens. Sprouts are filled with beneficial bacteria that help the gut thrive. And the great thing about them is they're young plants and so all the bacteria is all life-giving gut bacteria. Sprouts are also super easy to grow and pretty inexpensive. All you need is some sprouting seeds, some organic sprouting seeds and a sprouting tray or you can even use a mason jar and get a cheesecloth or they make lids for mason jars that are kind of like a screen and they're for growing sprouts. I usually grow my sprouts in a sprouting tray. Uh, I recently got one of those lids for the mason jar that's like a screen um, and I am trying to grow them right now that way just to see how it is. So I will be filming a video at some point this week once they have sprouted enough so I can show you and I'll just talk about like how easy it is to do it. You can even buy sprouts at the grocery store Uh, It's just, it's so easy to grow them at home and you know then they're really fresh. So that's typically why I grow my own. Sometimes I'll buy them from the grocery store if like I haven't had time to grow any and I want some like right away. Um, But I know like my mom's afraid to buy them from the grocery store because when I was a kid, I loved alfalfa sprouts and so when she would pack my lunch, uh, I would always want sprouts on my sandwich that was in my lunch. And so then there was like a E. coli or salmonella outbreak that happened with some sprouts. And so she was like stopped buying them and she's still afraid to like buy them from the grocery store in case they have that. If you do decide to buy sprouts from the grocery store, like I do sometimes, just make sure you give them a good rinse before you eat them. And then once you've washed them all, you can just store them in the fridge at that point. You may not know what to do with sprouts once you've grown them, um, but you can put them on salads. I feel like that's probably a given. You can put them on a soup. You can make avocado toast and put them on top. You can even put them in smoothies. That's a great way um, to get them into your diet is just add them to a smoothie. I do that a lot. And now I'm just gonna talk a little about prebiotics again. I talked about them in the last episode, but prebiotics kind of go with probiotics they're much simpler than probiotics Uh, so as I said before prebiotics are the food for the probiotics so without them all the good bacteria would die and prebiotics are really just every fruit and vegetable that you eat raw and uncooked so any raw fruit and vegetable feeds the good gut bacteria and the good gut bacteria only eats the prebiotics we consume the bad bacteria doesn't eat the prebiotics so if you're trying to diminish bad bacteria the more prebiotics you eat you're going to be starving the bad bacteria and feeding the good bacteria and because we now know that uncooked fruits and vegetables contain probiotics on the skin or the surface by eating raw fruits and vegetables you're kind of getting a two for one deal you're getting a prebiotic and a probiotic at the same time So when you think about it like that, it really doesn't seem all that complicated to get a lot of great probiotics and prebiotics into our diet. Probiotics really have the potential to help us way beyond just improving our gut flora. There's a therapy called bacteriotherapy, which is essentially a bacteria transplant. So what this treatment entails Is replacing the missing good bacteria in someone who is sick by transplanting the stool of a healthy person into their body. And usually they use the stool of their spouse or a relative as long as they're in good health. So it's not just like a random stranger. And doctors will usually choose to do this therapy um, if a patient keeps getting a returning infection, uh, so it tends to be a bit more helpful than just continuing to prescribe antibiotics, which is really cool that we're now figuring out that, oh, we better not just prescribe antibiotics again, let's try something else. And when the stool containing the good bacteria is placed inside the patient, it will then settle and grow and help rebuild their microbiome and this has been used to help prevent people from developing type 1 diabetes which is really cool and this also provides insight to someone who is maybe predisposed to developing diabetes or maybe you know if you know someone who's pre-diabetic that if they work at building the good bacteria in their gut it could help prevent them from developing diabetes And this kind of goes back to what I said in the last episode, that our microbiome is the second genome. It is like an internal fingerprint and that it can make up for holes in the first genome, which is our DNA. So if someone is predisposed to diabetes and they take really good care of their gut health, it could prevent them from developing it. And this is a little fun fact, not really related to human gut health, but but animal gut health. Uh, So I recently got guinea pigs, um, for those of you who don't know or don't follow me on social media, um, but they were eating each other's poop. And I was like, that's weird. Is this normal? And so I I was researching it because I was kind of curious. And so guinea pigs do in fact eat each other's poop because it helps build a diverse microbiome. Uh, so in guinea pigs, their plant matter that they, that they eat isn't completely broken down the first time around. So when they poop, there's still useful nutrients and bacteria. So other guinea pigs will eat it so that then they can build up their gut. And then it's, it's just really cool and kind of funny. Um, so the bacteriotherapy kind of reminded me of that when I was reading about it. Granted, like when someone actually undergoes that therapy they're not given the stool orally, Um, it's through a colonoscopy. So yeah, don't don't think that's happening because we should not ingest fecal matter, no matter what, orally, because then that can make us very sick. So they do it in the colon where there already is fecal matter. But I find it so fascinating that there are ways to rebuild gut flora in, more serious situations like in someone who would need a bacteriotherapy and that there's still so much yet to discover about gut health um, it makes me very excited the more like we find out because i just find it just incredible how powerful gut health is and how powerful all those little microorganisms living inside of us uh, really are if you have any other questions about gut health or probiotics feel free to send me an email at tdnutritioncoaching@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And next week, I am going to be discussing sugar.